Hey everybody, welcome out to the show. My name is Nolan. I'm the host of That Equipping Podcast. It is a show of a collection of conversations done during a Wednesday night Zoom call with multiple folks from all across the country where we're just talking about all things Jesus and what he's pointing us to. Uh, It's an identity-based gospel conversation that God has created us all as his sons and daughters and that he wants us all to kind of come alive or come back to ourselves in the sense of that's who he created us to be. And so everything outside of that then is outside of what his desire is for our life. And if we're living outside of his desire for our life, it's going to be really hard to really discover and know his will for our life. And so we're just talking about Jesus and we're talking about how we're saved through Jesus and we're saved through everything that he did and he said and what he accomplished. So welcome out to episode three. We continue on with our conversation using a, a triangle example. We're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sin, self-justification, and the Greek word schematize for being patterned after the world. We use identity, calling, and authority. And we're talking about Jesus' prayer life, actually, in this episode, where the three main areas, the only areas where we know that he prayed alone, were in the desert slash wilderness. It's the same Greek word, the mountain, or the mountains, and then in a garden. And so it just continues on with our theme of these, this, the, trinity understanding like this trinity lens for how we understand reality so i hope you are looking forward to the episode it was a great conversation very enriching we had great ministry time again at the end of it but this is the meat of the conversation and stay tuned to the end as we wrap up this episode and as you listen carefully write down and if there's any other real issue that one might come up with as a means to saying that God isn't reconciled to them or God isn't pursuing them or God isn't talking to them or God has turned his back on them, the thing about it is, is that it is finished. There is no reason now that we can't have full access to God in any unimaginative way possible because our imagination fails in comparison to the pursuit that God has for the reconciled creation that was brought forth of by the death of Jesus Christ. We need to bring peace to the darkness, reap seeds that spring seasons of love, and the heartless sympathy, father, the father, the state persists, and on top of this, have faith to weep our prominence, my freedom for the optimist. When we start working from the position of the Spirit, when we start working with God, We no longer boast about the things that we do, but we humbly point people back to the person that works through us to do all these good things. Take the light to the dark. That's what we do. We overcome evil with good. And so creation is waiting for such a time as this. Creation is waiting for sons and daughters of God to rise up and manifest the kingdom on earth. So we've got more new people on the call. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Um, Any newbies get caught up with the podcasts or the videos or the slides? My dad's shaking his head like, nope. Teach me something, Junior. My father's on the call, by the way, everybody. Ooh, maybe we need some stories. I was going to say, is, what is here going we are on putting here? the pressure Alex, on. 
Alex for stories. Nolan's dad, now is your time. <laughs> well, Alex's dad and my dad went to the same school. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. You're talking about Lynn? Yeah. No, that's Brent. Oh, Brent. Yeah, I went to this. Well, Brent's friend still is. Uh, they are still friends. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and then I only added a, a couple. What? You have a teleprompter going so you can know what you're going to Well, I do rely on the chat because sometimes it's, it's helpful. Okay. Well, since we're getting some more new people on the call and I am making this stuff available by podcast, we are recording the session. I'm loading it up on YouTube, dropping it in the Facebook group. If you want to stay in the know about anything that's happening on this call, you want to stay up to date on anything that we're doing on this call, because we're going to do this every Wednesday in April. And then based on how, based on what's going on with the shelter in place stuff, um, you know, we'll, we'll host some, some stuff here on a Wednesday night, you know, one or once or twice in May, uh, once or twice in June or whatever. And uh, we just kind of keep this conversation going. It doesn't have to be as formal after this. Um, I'm talking about teleprompter. I wish I had a teleprompter. I wish that I had everything exactly planned out as I was going to say it, but um, that's just not the case. And so um, really just trying to take this one thing at a time, developing it as it goes. I do owe you all a fact check apology. I, I said that triangulation is used in GPS systems, but it's trilateration. So I do apologize. Nobody corrected me, but I did learn that today. Trilateration is used in GPS systems. So we're just going to stick with the triangle though, but the, the GPS language is interesting. Uh, at least the science of GPS, because you do need four. I got people coming in, dropping out, but I think we're going to just go ahead and get going. It's just as interesting, like we talked about this last week, but then once you start to say yes to God encounters, um, and the Holy Spirit starts to reveal things to you. And as you draw near to Jesus, he helps you to think differently. Um, different opportunities start to come. And so um, it seems like we have that update from Kendall. Um, I have that update from that little girl. And then a coworker of my wife's is actually um, in an ICU right now, unconscious, unresponsive from a motorcycle accident. And um, him and his wife just got married like three months ago. So like, it's just, it's just crazy that as we, again, it's, it's like when you start to purchase, go to look for a car, all of a sudden you start, you see, you start seeing that car everywhere. And the more that you open yourself up to um, God moving through you and showing you part of who he is uh, with fresh revelation every single day, similar things are going to start to happen. Um, and so uh, before we go any further, I'm going to build off that a little bit, but let's, let's pray. I think we've got everybody on the call that's going to be on the call. And uh, we'll get right into it. So let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much again uh, for this opportunity. Thank you for the technology. Thank you for the freedom uh, to just gather like this. Uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we just thank you for the revelation of Jesus. Um, God, just help us to know you uh, wholly. Help us to wholly know ourselves in light of you and in reflection of you. Uh, so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One thing that I, was, like, I, I really have appreciated about doing with doing this with all of you is the journey. So I uh, just sort of started out again, kind of recapping some of those who are new with us as a request, like, hey, we don't get together in person. Many of you don't get to meet with your small groups. 
Um, and this has been really hard and you're not alone. I have conversations daily with people who are missing the opportunity to connect physically uh, with people. And so we're like, hey, Nolan, would you get together uh, with us on a Wednesday night and just kind of share something? And at first I thought it was just going to be like a hangout, but then there's this idea that we're going to share. So then I shared something that God laid on my heart and uh, you guys uh, appreciated it. And so then we came back last week and we shared some more and we've just been building off this, this idea of uh, the Trinity as the inspiration for how we can interpret life, right? So just to kind of, we will go ahead and recap again, just for all those who are new with us. Um, in an equilateral triangle, each degree, each angle is 60 degrees. It adds up to be 180 degrees. Um, but you can, the triangle, you can start to move and morph and you could cause those angles to no longer be 60 degrees anymore because you're putting one emphasis on another thing. Um, but all in a, in an attempt to explain or give us a lens through which we can interpret our reality. Um, we came up with this triangle. And so um, I think I'm still, hold on a second. Okay, sweet. So now we're there. Um, so we left off week one with the connection between the word for sin which has to do more with a being without form, um, being without our allotted portion, pointing to a disoriented, distorted, bankrupt identity. And so there's two words for sin in the New Testament. There is uh, hamartia, and then there's the word that is translated as trespasses. And it does say that in our sin, we've trespassed against God. Uh, how I've explained it to people before um, is... It's, it's one thing to, for a child to point at a woman who maybe has a belly and says, hey, are you, is there a baby in there? And the woman says, I'm not pregnant, um, versus somebody walking up to somebody else and hitting them, and they've trespassed against them. So, so one has to do with just being ignorant or unaware, and the other one has to do with an actual infliction um, towards another person. So... With that in mind, we, we move from a forgotten identity and being awakened and transformed with the same stem word in hamartia, meros, which is the same word for morphe, to be transformed. So it says, uh, be transformed in, so you're not patterned after the world. Um, Jesus helps us to see what our true identity is. And we came up with this triangle that says, okay. If this is the basis for our understanding that the Trinity is three in one, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, um, the Lord is one. We don't know exactly how to explain the Trinity. An equilateral triangle is not a prime example for Trinity. So don't go explaining it to your friends like, I know what the Trinity means. Look, look at this equilateral triangle. It, it, it doesn't work. Um, but for the sake of what we're talking about, it does. So, which then using trilateration, three different points that are gauging distancing from where you are, and then you kind of intersect in a space to determine where you are in life, that God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, every moment is an invitation to encounter God. 
His spirit is present in the earth. He's in and around you to bring revelation about God's nature. And that Jesus is the personified word. So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That Jesus, when he came, says the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus, um, he comes and convinces us about God's love toward us and towards humanity. And so Jesus causes us to think differently. And then it doesn't happen in a cycle. Um, one doesn't have to happen before the other. But again, because it's all in one. So in any given moment, Jesus is helping us to think differently. Holy Spirit. So in any given moment, um, we are encountering God through this Holy Spirit's revelation. And Jesus, as the personification, the manifestation, God made flesh for us to see God differently and to think differently about him. Then... God is our identity. We're created children of God. Um, The Holy Spirit comes and reveals truth to us. And then Jesus comes. He takes back the keys of the kingdom that we gave away at the fall. And in Jesus, we are one. Uh, We are seated with him in high places. Uh, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So that's 1 John 4, 17. Um, We are seated. We're co-seated. We were co-crucified, co-resurrected, and now co-seated with Jesus in heaven. So again, the reason why a triangle doesn't work is because you could see it's two-dimensional. Even a three-dimensional triangle then becomes a pyramid. Uh, But ultimately, like dimensionally, there is spirit and then there is flesh. And we are in two places at one time. We are above creation with Jesus, co-seated with him, because when we put our faith and trust in him, we were crucified with him, we were co-raised to life with him, and then we now have the authority in Jesus, co-seated with him next to the Father, that we have the ability to, as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. So that's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about, uh, I found another some more talking about journey and delighting in the journey of all of this. Um, Holy Spirit started showing me stuff about Jesus' prayer life. And I think it's going to be really good for you guys because a lot of us are alone that um, Jesus, there was a couple times he prayed in public. It was when he was baptized uh, and then like maybe one other time. But then the writers of the gospels go out of their way to specify when Jesus would go alone to pray somewhere. So again, that's, this is part of our, our, our ongoing lens. Um, and then we are not walking in God encounters revelation, thinking differently, which then is outworking our identity, uh, which is God's desire for us that we know that we are his children and that he desires a full and abundant life for us. And then out of that, we can then start to discern what God's will for our life is. And that's what our calling and then our authority is. And too many of us, um, we get this idea that faith without works is dead. And so we're like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I must go do something about it now. And we miss over the sonship part and then try to figure out what God's will for our life is. And then we come in with this orphan mentality, even though we're saved. And then we wonder why we are not walking in God's will for our life, because God in his wisdom and his love is withholding the outpouring and the outworking manifestation of your calling and authority, because he doesn't want you to be worse off than you were, you were before. And so when we're not walking in this encounter revelation, thinking differently, 
with that lens in mind, oftentimes then we're working out of hamartia, we're working out of sin, we're working out of our unallotted portion or form, which then leads us a lot into self-justification. And I think when we're really struggling with mental health, when we're struggling with addiction, when we're struggling with um, negative mental patterns, we're stuck in this trilateration. We're relying on ourself and we're being patterned after the world, but then we see, because we know Jesus, we see how we're not him and it gets us frustrated. And then we focus on our lack of form than we do on encountering God, which then reminds us of our form in him, our identity. Okay, this is the identity-based gospel. So to the prayer part, here we go. We're still working out of Luke chapter five. So in Luke chapter five, it was in the preceding story from the story that kind of set us off with the man being paralyzed that got lowered through the roof. Luke chapter five. That story goes like this. A man was cleansed in verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man who was there had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can, take, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean, and immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, go and show yourself to the priest, and offer what Moses prescribed for you as a cleansing, as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him, to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to download that part. Uh, I want you to underline that part and just kind of put that in your mind. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So in this time of quarantine, my wife and I get to work in separate levels of the house. Our kids get to go to daycare because my wife is essential. Largely, what's different for us is that we're just working at home. Um, my wife and I were joking today that we're, we're a coworker. She's like, you're not my coworker. We work for different companies. But at the same time, we're the only people that get to interact with each other. And so um, every one of your situations are different. You know, Jordan, you get to be at work right now. And we're grateful that you are. But for some of you, you, you really are shelter in placing. You are at home, you are by yourself and you're running, man, this isn't healthy. And you're right. Like God didn't create us to be alone. However, introvert or extrovert, we were, if Jesus is our pattern, he is our blueprint, he's to cause us to think differently, then we can look at the different places in the New Testament where Jesus went to pray. And so that's Luke chapter five or 16. He went to the wilderness, which is the same Greek word as desert. So if you see wilderness or desert in the New Testament about Jesus praying alone, it's the same Greek word. Uh, Luke chapter six, verse 12, he went out into the mountain and we're going to spend most of our time on mountain. Um, and mountain actually has to do with authority. Um, because again, authority comes from Jesus and Jesus is our blueprint, right? So again, this is all kind of falling in place and this is really cool. Um, and then Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39, and I hope you're writing all this stuff down so that way you can investigate this and test it on your own later. Um, but in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39, Jesus goes alone 
He goes with his disciples to a point and then leaves them behind and goes a further to go pray by himself. And so, I mean, even though people were nearby, he was still alone. And so in these situations, like when Jesus prays, he's alone. Um, and we've talked about this before. Um, there are different kinds of prayer. Um, there is uh, asking prayer. I was actually just having a conversation with somebody about this today. And let me go ahead and bring this up. And, and they asked me, they said, like, other than prayer, what can I do? And I was like, worship music is great. Um, it helps us to shift and realign our perspective. But prayer is still number one because prayer is, is our, our communication with God. So types of prayer are asking, which is the most popular. Most of you are asking God for something. You're asking him for a blessing. You're asking him for his will. You're asking him to let go of the temptation or addiction you have. You're asking him for better understanding. There's a lot of asking prayer that happens. Then there's conversation. And this is something I, I grew up asking. I was asking for forgiveness. I was asking for mercy. I was asking for grace. I was asking for somebody to like me. I was asking for a good grade in school. And so asking is very transactional. It's something that if all my wife and I did were ask things of each other and never went any further than that, we'd have more of a transactional partnership um, than we would actually an intimate relationship. And so conversation, though, is where I shifted. And so conversational prayer, and there's Greek words for all of this stuff in the New Testament for prayer, but it just gets translated as the same English word prayer. And so asking, conversation, mostly what I do now, then there's listening, um, meditation, and then intercession. And there might be more, but those are the main five. So again, those are asking, conversation, listening, meditation, and intercession. So in your, in your prayer time, you're going to have to assess you know, what you're doing in prayer. And we don't get a lot, actually. There's only one situation where we see Jesus praying um, and what he's praying for. And that's in John when he's praying for unity amongst the disciples. Um, and I don't have that, that reference here, but you can find it. But you have these, these references and a couple more references for you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. And in Luke chapter three, that's when he was baptized and God calls him, you know, this, is, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, which then, even though he's in water, which is interesting because then the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove uh, in the form of a dove, that God says something specific there in Luke chapter three. And then he says something very similar, but different when we get to the mountain of transfiguration, which we'll get into here in a minute. So, um, so this leads me to my new triangle because we love triangles. Okay. And I tried to line these up, um, in, in accordance to what I think, you know, God, God is wanting to let us know, um, in that, um, Everything started in a garden. And we see Jesus in a place where he's asking what is requested of him to be taken from him while he's in a garden. And there, there's so much more about the garden language, but like for like if anything, 
if I, if I picture God to be anyone other than father, what God's vocation is in my mind as a creator is a gardener. And if you know anything about gardening, if you want, if you want some spiritual metaphors and analogies, go talk to a gardener and somebody who like has like a, a green thumb and everything like we, my wife has been doing more plants around the house and it seems like she's learning something new every single year to help her plants thrive even more. Um, Josh Pidgeley, our worship pastor, loves yards and grass. And so I just, as a student, as a humble student, I'm just like, Josh, teach me your ways, oh, master of the turf. And my grass, our, our neighbor just mentioned it the other day. She's like, man, my yard looks all patchy and spotty and your, your yard looks great. And Emma's like, yeah, I mean, like Nolan treats it with stuff. Again, like these are some really deep, spiritual metaphors that could take you really far. But um, I, I believe God to be a gardener. And I won't spend a lot of time on that, but maybe we will another time. And then Holy Spirit and wilderness. So if you know anything about uh, some of the biblical stories, I'm just going to highlight a few um, in here. But the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19 escapes the queen of Sheba uh, for 40 days and 40 nights in a desert. Then he hides out in a mountain. Um, the Israelites were supposed to walk around in the desert wilderness for 40 years. They end up walking around for twice that. Jesus is tempted for 40 days in the desert. And um, the Greek word for mountain in the temptation of Jesus is actually different than the other mountains, and we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, and then we also have Noah, who was 40 days, 40 nights in the boat. So 40 is a big, big number for testing. Uh, and this is what I think um, we're going to kind of pray into a little bit tonight, too, because I didn't know if you know this, for all those who are in Illinois, um, as of April 30th, that'll be the 40th day that we are in shelter in place. Um, so if you believe in coincidences, great. If you think that this is something, an invitation for us to encounter God, so his spirit can reveal something to us and help us to think differently about our reality. I'm going to go with that one. Um, that together as one body, we've been gathering, we've been doing these things on Wednesdays. And now I wouldn't even thought to think about, Hey, when was the start of shelter in place to when it's, you know, the initial proposed ending it's 40 days. So 40 means testing in, 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 in many ways in the Bible. So uh, it's, but it's in the desert and the wilderness. Um, I wrote some notes down here that were forged, that were tested, where revelation happens. And that um, in, in antiquity, the Babylonians, the Amalekites, um, and some of the other groups that warred against the Israelites in the Old Testament um, they, they were the epitome, like they were the picture of self-justification and independence apart from God because they were alone in the desert and they never drew close to, um, to, to God. And so um, I'm mincing some words there, but the other one is then mountain and Jesus and Moses 
are connected in the sense that Moses was the deliverer of the Israelite people and Jesus is the deliverer of us as much as Jesus and Adam um, are connected. And again, some of you, if you're new to the call, like this is some deep stuff. This is in Christianity 101. This is an identity-based gospel, a different way for us to view the world. So mountain also represents our authority. So some famous mountains for you to investigate in the Bible. The mountain of all mountains, Mount Zion. The mountain from which we got the Old Testament commandments, Mount Sinai. Another popular one is Mount Olive. Mount Gerizim. G-E-R-I-Z-I-M. And then Mount Tabor. So Nolan. Yeah. Would you say that just being with Father is a form of prayer? Where nothing is spoken, nothing is at all spoken. It's just being. Yeah, that's good. Um, I would say, yeah. I, I would say um, there, there are times that I've just sat with my boys and we've not said a thing. Um, and even in the art of conversation, you know, the, as we grow older, if you talk to married couples, they'll say that when they sit with each other, they won't say anything for hours, but there's something that's deeply connected in their relationship. That's a good question. Any, any thoughts on like anybody surprised by the three areas where Jesus says that he's prayed alone in the New Testament. Paul's like, no, I'm not surprised by that. I already knew that. This is old hat. No, and I, I like that you went over that because I think I'm a big gardener for those who, you know, I see the ladies who have been in a group of mine or have been over to my house. I see a smile because they know I just go so hardcore for my yard in the summer. And there's something so spiritual about sowing and reaping and tending. And there's so many metaphors, kind of like you mentioned. But additionally, going to the wilderness, going to the mountains, going to the deserts, that's something I love to do. And just meeting with the Lord in those places feels different as someone who loves going to those locations. It is different to pray in the mountains when I go to a cabin in the woods than it is for me to pray in my house sometimes. It just feels like a different atmosphere. Like he meets me differently in his kind of authentic nature. But I, I can't really put it into terms what it is that makes it different. So that's really good. I'm glad you mentioned that because John chapter 4, 1 through 42, is where we get the story of the woman at the well. So if you're unfamiliar with that story, it's in that story that Jesus comes across a Samaritan woman. And she's out at midday which is not normal for the customs. Pastor Ted has actually spoken on this story before. Um, and so she's not supposed to be out there. The reason she's out there is because she's kind of like the talk of the town. She's been with five different husbands. Um, and so she doesn't hang out with the other women because she's not formally married. Um, and they get into this discussion about the, the temple, how they're unable to go down and, and pray 
because they're not allowed to go to the temple. And Jesus ultimately says to her that a, a day is coming and is here that you will no longer pray or worship God in a specific place, but that you will worship him in spirit and in truth. And verse 21, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. Yes, the father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, that is connected for me in, in a way, because I let Bible interpret Bible, and it's in Luke chapter 4 when we get the temptation of Jesus. Oh, that's what it says. So verse 5. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you the splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So verse five of Luke chapter four, when it says, so he took him up is not the word for mountain, but has to do with some actual spiritual mountain. So there's no mountain in the, in the desert that Jesus, that we thought Jesus went to. There was no mountainous area. There was no mountain top place for Jesus to go and see all of the kingdoms of the earth at that time. So then we can infer that the mountain that he went up to to see all of them in a moment of time had to be something that was supernatural, had to be something that was dimensional. And so again, Jesus brings us to this place where we think differently that, sorry, letting people in here to the chat. Um, so that's good, Sarah, because that's going to be the hardest part then for us who are stuck in place that there is a mountain to where you can go and encounter God. That if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you are co-crucified, co-raised to life and are now co-seated with him, that you are already there in this other place. And that your oneness with God is all the time that you're separate to like I, I, I've tried to tell you then that like in in Christ we are one just as God Jesus and Holy Spirit are one so we are one with them that you are not separated from Jesus ever there is no sin that you can do right now that's going to separate you from the love of Jesus and how you start to form your life around that truth is what's going to bring the transformation and the breakthrough that you want to see that will set you free from your struggles, that'll set you free from your mental health issues, that'll set you free from the way you view your finances, it'll set you free from the negative cycles of relationships that you continue to find yourself in. Because once you start to realize your oneness in God, he starts to meet those felt needs in you, or at least starts to reveal the things that were harmed in you that he wants to go and heal. And then as the apostle Paul says, buy back the time to the present from those past hurts to the present. So that as if you were never harmed or hurt in the first place, but that is something that you walk out 
in daily God encounters through revelation of the Holy Spirit and looking to Jesus to help you think differently. And if you're frustrated about where you are in life, know then like you always are where you are. You're never behind and you're never ahead. You're always just are where you are because a GPS tri, trilateration only takes the distance from where you are and then pinpoints your location. So if you're trying to move in your calling and your authority when you haven't walked out your identity by spending time with God, letting him father you in the spirit and let him bind up the wounds that you experienced in a life that was lived out of sin, self-justification and being patterned after the world, you're not going to be, you, no wonder you feel lost. Take advantage of this time as Jesus was when he, like he had to be alone for a reason, but that even when he was with people, he only did what he saw the father doing. So that means like, even when you are with people, you are still with God in, in one spirit. And so I, I have to start thinking about myself as a man in two places. I am simultaneously in heaven. So that means there is a place of authority. And this is where we're going to have to talk about Mount. I'll, I'll put, actually, I'm going to drop a lot of this mountain stuff in the Facebook group. So if you want in the Facebook group and you want some more of this information, you need to go like my Facebook page, Nolan Wrecker, and then I'll get you in the group, which is the Wednesday night equipping group. But I want to encourage you that even though you're alone, you're not alone because you're already with Christ in heaven on earth. And don't let your senses deceive you because you look around your apartment and you're all by yourself. And I want to encourage you that no matter where you are in your struggles, when you are alone, is to invite Holy Spirit into that situation. No shame, no condemnation. Okay? Shame and condemnation are a pattern of the world and will only want to distract you from your full portion and identity and prevent you from receiving the revelation that you need to become the person that God sees when he looks at you. So in the struggle, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. He doesn't want us to be dependent babes, always sucking for milk. He wants us to be able to move on from the milk, which is our identity into the meat and potatoes, which is um, the inheritance of the kingdom to be co-creators with him in this world that he put us into with a five-fold mandate. You can read about that in Genesis to, to take care of this place. Man, I loved that conversation. I hope you got a lot out of it because there's just so much that Jesus can teach us. And next week, make sure you come back. If you, if you haven't liked facebook page yet at nolan ryan wrecker on facebook and the names underscore nolan uh, for instagram for facebook you can get in on that wednesday night equipping facebook group where i, I drop down uh, some of the files and different things there's extra material and interaction in that group if you want to get in on that go ahead and find the page like it and then ask to join the group all of it's public and able to be found and next week we're going to talk about the shema it's in Deuteronomy chapter 
6, where we talk about what it means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Or in one of the gospel accounts, Jesus says heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in a different account, they only quote him for the three. So we're going to continue on with this triangle aspect again, get into the Shema, and get into the only two laws that we really should be following. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. He actually kind of unpacks this a little bit more through the gospel writer John in one of John's three letters. So in First John, we talk about what the, the two laws ultimately point to. So the two laws sum up the Old Testament law and covenant, but then the way we interpret them is given in First John, and we're going to unpack that as well. Come back next week. I hope you're looking forward to it. Bless you guys.